You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Benjamin Chow. Uh, you forgot to call me by my new nickname, which is Six Foot Cute Hair. That's a line that Bruce uh, Willis says in this movie, and I could not be happier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just I was like, trying... At first, I was like, who described you that way? But <laughs> I'm not just trying to flirt with our listeners, Pogues, but uh, on another note, welcome to this... Story after dark. <laughs> oh yeah, we love <laughs> the after dark ones. Always get a little blue. No, pose. no you're you're not here for this. No, it's all right. <laughs> oh no, you can take you, you can take off. It's just me, and their earbuds. I apologize to our listeners. Uh, welcome to another episode. Episode number forty nine. If my note taking if my note taking app is correct. <laughs> Uh, it's wrong. I've been Could not be more wrong. I've been corrected live on air, and I am f- furious. I am brimming um, with rage. But we are uh, on episode fifty-two. As I said, if you would listen to this heavily edited recording, and you'll discover that I was uh, I was correct. And we are here to do the two thousand and ten <laughs> film Red. Um, definitely within the pantheon of movies that we cover, that most people will hear or see on their podcast app and go that one. Um, because it's one of those ones you forget that it was actually a comic book at some point. Uh, uh, because it's so, this and the other Bruce Willis surrogates movie, also around the same time, what was going on with Bruce Willis at this time? Was he just like into like Wildstorm indie makes? Like, what is that? I just think he was into paying for a boat. (laughs) Did Maybe had some college debt from his kids he had to take care of. Do you think maybe like people came to him and were like, hey, Bruce, we got this movie, it's a comic book. And he's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Is it that Marvel? Is it Marvel or the other one? And they kind of looked around and went, the other one. (laughs) He was like, great, I don't want to be in a Marvel movie. And then he did surrogates and he was like, fuck, they tricked me. All right, I'm going to be more specific this time. And then he came back and was like, all right, I'm ready to do a comic book movie. But make sure it's... um, Make sure it's DC. No, not DC. The other one. <laughs> and they're like, all right. <laughs> Make sure it's DC adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you could find it adjacent to the DC comic at a shop. Um, yeah, if I'm on the wall that says DC, <laughs> I only want to have to go slightly to my right to find one of these. Not that, There's no shelf in between dividing them. I need just... Although, although a quick poll uh, of fellow co-hosts, which is just you. Um, how, if, if, if Bruce Willis, if I said to you, Pokes, I've got news, Bruce Willis has been cast as a character in a Marvel and or DC movie, what would be the most excited answer to that sentence? I don't, I don't know if there is. Because I was going to say, like, Aquaman, can you just imagine how, like, fucking cranky Bruce Willis would be, like, constantly, like, climbing out of the water, like, just sort of wet, you know, like, a, I, I almost think that, like, him is, uh, the Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> oh, shit! Like, an old curmudgeon Batman, yes. I think, would actually cor- sort of work, if he still tries, because he doesn't really try Because anymore. phoning it in Bruce Willis would just be, like, phoning it in Batman, where he's like, yeah. I've been in Batman for, like, 30 years, guys, it's just... Yeah, like, could you picture him being like, you know, like, I punch him in the kidneys, separate, you know, like, that yeah. scene where he's beating that mutant up, and he's, like, just slowly cataloging what he's doing. Where, who, who, who did this? I just, swear to me. Swear, swear to me. <laughs> Someone get Bruce some more cocaine, he's fading. Um, so, we covered surrogates, which is the year before or after, I actually forget. Um, but it was... I think it was the year after, because 
we, we me and you were talking before we recorded the mini episode was when bruce willis yeah. became a husk of a human being yeah it was 2009 that he did it don't worry he snuck in the movie cop out with uh with, I think that might have been when the husking began. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's when he was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm so tired of acting. But he brought it back around for Red, and I gotta admit, he didn't totally blow it. No, he's... I I think this is... This is not like his, his prime trying. This isn't Die Hard. Right. But I think this is still where he's like, I'm gonna give this a little something. I've made a character. Yeah. I'm gonna play him a certain way. I'm not just going to be, like, I'm not going to look like I'm here begrudgingly. <laughs> like, in surrogates, every shot they show of him looks like he was pissed they called him out of his trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he was like, I didn't think I had to record today. This one, he's, um, I mean, he doesn't nail everything. He doesn't seem to have much, like, romantic chemistry. Like, Mary Louise is all about him in every scene. Like, she's got it figured out. He doesn't know how to, like, reciprocate that that sensation. Like, he's just constantly, like plain and boring uh in those romantic scenes and those brief scenes but she's just like fawning over him which is good she's great in this movie um she is like a her character is a legit sociopath yeah (laughs) absolutely she's so into all the weird (laughs) shit that happens like seeing people murdered that i'm like um you should run away from this woman something is wrong with her her switch to authorizing murder is quick Although that that plays to Mary Louise Parker, she always plays a character that could, any minute could just like murder you and and find a lot of joy in it. It's what else has she been in? Because I'll be honest, I know she was in Red and Red Two. I know her exclusively from having watched many uh, seasons of Weeds. Okay, never watched. Which that, is so I'm where out. she plays something. She's she's a totally like straight laced ish like suburban mom. Uh, maybe a little edge to her, but not much. And then she starts smelling, uh, smelling, <laughs> selling pot. Uh, she starts smelling pot and goes crazy in, in the suburbs and it kind of it's like a breaking bad thing although she's just fucking like whereas in breaking bad waltz like i i must do this because i'm found an inner me that is terrifying and more powerful she's more like we i'm gonna be a criminal and she's like she rides right into it um and and enjoys every second of it but th- th- that's that kind of like really crazy switch she flips very well anyway so to get the the listener on the page with us, if you're tuning in, like always, there's a brief chance that you've maybe not watched the film Red, mostly because it wasn't free to stream anywhere, or like that atrocity, the 1990 uh, Captain America film, it wasn't free on YouTube. Um, now, although it was, for some reason, the cheapest movie we've watched on Amazon. Yeah, it was right? only $2 to rent, which I was like, I don't understand. I had to pay three dollars to rent fucking richie rich like i couldn't figure <laughs> out like what happened with red that it was yeah, so reasonable that's so weird i had the same thought i'm like i paid more for a fucking virus like what is jamie lee curtis yeah for? like all these shit movies where i'm like they should be lucky anyone is renting these for 50 cents why am i getting off cheap though with red it was very What's weird the deal bezos um but 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 Red, if you're not familiar with it, is a com- a very short comic from Warren Ellis. I read it. Um, it 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 had pretty it's pretty reasonable acclaim when it came out. It's very good gritty crime, uh, like a little bit of spy, but with the the, the t- it's it's written by Warren Ellis, so it's got that edge to it, that real dark edge, that real like I regret things in my past, and I'm a dark person, and um, I'm also clever, and the line and the dialogue is amazing. That's a trademark Warren Ellis flair. Um, the movie is not that. The movie does capitalize no. on a number of concepts 
for sure. It is thematically very different, but there's a lot of similarity. Where uh, the the the, uh, the core character uh, uh, Frank Moses is a is a retired CIA operative, black op uh, black ops operative who um, who who is who is now completely removed from any kind of work or 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 uh, you know that sort of the un- un- undercover work. He's just like a retiree. And his past comes to haunt him, and he's forced to sort of reactivate himself, a la Taken or or or, uh, (laughs) John Wick or fuck a lot of movies. Actually, this is a very common bit. Actually, you know what? Most most, nineties most nineties movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, And 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 not just in the last ten years, going all the way back. And the big the big difference is. this movie has a whole like getting the band back together, Blues Brothers, Motley Crue uh, arrangement uh, of. Are none of those other characters in the comic? No, no. Well, may- oh, seriously? Well, fuck. That is what? That's really weird. No, <laughs> one of them might be, but none of them. Like, I'm sorry, it's confusing because in the comic, Frank Moses works almost exclusively alone. He may like reference or maybe check in with my I, I can't remember now but um they might be somewhere in the comic but but m- mostly uh uh it's him operating like a, a one-man revenge mission is, basically is there a love story no. that's made up too yeah. the fuck the- so literally the only thing they took were like what happens when CIA agents retire? Yeah, and there is some like scene. They did revisit some scenes, uh, but yeah, and the, even the concept of retired, extremely dangerous, being the acronym for Red, is exclusive to the com- exclusive to the movie, not the comic. Um, Wait, so why are they called Red in the in the comic? The Red refers to uh, a, a, an agent would be either considered green or red as an active or inactive. Red means inactive, so he's Holy he's an inactive operative, and he but he's you know obviously not. It's kind of. You know, I gotta tell you right now, that makes me feel so much better. Because when we were talking about this, and you said Warren Ellis wrote it, and I was like, he came up with retired, extremely dangerous. I was like, that's so stupid. Yeah, that's not Ellis. Because <laughs> it makes it makes no difference. Like, it makes no sense. Retired, extremely dangerous. Like, wouldn't it be like I, that? Just is a weird anagram. It makes no sense. So Warren Ellis, I think, often gets confused with the Alan Moore curmudgeonly comic book writer but he's actually very much not he's actually quite a sociable person i used to i think i mentioned in a minisode i used to for some reason a long time ago and not anymore frequent his message board and and communicate with a lot of people in his um sort of like his social media presence and he would he'd be there a lot posting and um so i dug out some quotes of him talking about this adaptation of the book which he said he was very hands-off with he let them just sort of take the concept um Here's a good clip. Uh, as I've said, Red is a short book, 56 pages. If you shot the book, your film would be a half hour long. So I always knew that they were going to have to do a massive expansion of it. But they kept the spine of the story, and the new characters they created came directly from the themes of the book, which are all intact. So I'm happy. I think they did a terrific job of it, really. Pretty positive. Hmm. Pretty positive. So he's definitely not the Alan Moore. Um, I'm gonna read a, who has yeah. never liked anything that's ever been made from anything he's. And made. I know we need to get into the movie, and I promise we'll right after this. But I loved this little snippet, so I'm gonna read this real quick. Uh, it's no, I'm, I was really interested in knowing the difference between the movie and the comic. Yeah, so here's here's something I really enjoy about his his take. Uh, like a year that was that first quote was from like b- while they were making it, like when it was like like you know as like a way to like uh, teaser it. 
No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not leading to a negative thing. He's still happy. Oh, about okay. It. Um, it was like after it was already done. That was his first quote. Like before it was like out for people to see. Um, and this was uh like a year after, so like time to he didn't have to defend it. It was out of the theaters, you know. And he said, um, in regards to like, does it match your book? He says the tone. No, the film isn't as grim as the book. The book is pretty grim, but it's also pretty small. When I sell the rights to a book, they buy the right to adapt it in whatever way they see fit. I can accept that they wanted a lighter film, and as as I've said before, the script is very enjoyable and tight as a drum. They haven't adapted it badly by any means. People who've enjoyed the graphic novel will have to accept that it's an adaptation, and that by definition means that it's going to be different, a different beast from the book. The film has the same DNA. It retains bits that are very clearly from the book, as well as, of course, the overall plot line. But it is, yes, lighter and funnier. And if anyone has a real problem with that, I say to you, once again, Helen Mirren with a sniper rifle. I mean, if you don't want to see a film with Helen Mirren with a sniper rifle, I'm not sure I want to know you. <laughs> wow. That I love. Melodramatic butt trip. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It is. I, would, I wouldn't have picked the sniper rifle. I would have picked the scene where she was using, like, the 50 cal. Yes. In the parking garage. And she's just standing there in, like, a, like a really nice evening gown. Or just her being in the kitchen jewelry. being handed MP5s by John Malkovich. I mean, fucking hell. This movie kept delivering. I got to say, like, I got a little amped getting ready to talk about it because... Um, it's not like a perfect movie or anything. It's not like like high level cinema. You know, it's it, at times it's goofy. Uh, at times the production values are get in the way, where like those intercuts between different locations are wildly unnecessarily overdone. Uh, oh, really annoying. Actually, th- there are definitely jokes that don't land. In fact, there might be an equal amount of ones that don't land to the ones that do. But like in my notes, a lot of them are just frantic rec- 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 uh, uh, recollections of me saying like. Oh yeah, John Malkovich. Oh yeah, Helen Mirren. What Richard Dreyfus? Like I was just like, wait, what's happening? Like, are they all yeah, in it this? Is, <laughs> it is definitely like a weird film. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's like great or good. It's just like a I movie, would say it's good. I guess I would say like it's a movie that like if it was on TV and you're just like, ah, I'll just keep watching this, it would be like a bad experience. But I don't know if it would be a movie that I'd be like, everyone should really go out and watch it right now. It's just Pokes, like an odd film. I have, Most of my notes are so weird. I have seven notes or eight notes, I guess. I have to disagree. Um, uh, I, I do think it's a good movie. I was just trying to, to, to measure expectations to the idea that it's not um, it's not the type of film that you'd be like, wow, how how could I have never heard of this? You know, it, it, it's like what you said. It's something that would be on TV that you would definitely enjoy. But um, – I've seen it before. I just watched it again. I would see it again. Um, like I said before, it's genuinely got decent, uh, de- decent dialogue. It's it, it blows through so much plot. Um, and while some of it's maybe a little tightly wound um, and a little bit hurried, it gets a lot fucking done. In well, it's a long, it's a longer movie. It's like two hours. Uh, uh, but it gets a lot done. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it could have been a little tighter in getting it done, but. So, I just real quick, yeah. I need to go back to this comic. So, is the plot to the comic that the vice president is the bad guy? Um, In the comic, or no? It's an entirely different person. But it's similar as they're trying to clean up loose ends. Right, that's correct. Yeah, it's cleaning up loose ends. with. A but it's not the vice president. Uh, no. What the fuck? <laughs> These are such weird changes. Now, I gotta say that I'm actually kind of more annoyed that they kill Morgan Freeman. Because I just figured it was like the comic had like four people in it 
And they were like, well, let's just make one of them black. Like, let's cast Morgan Freeman, because he's a great actor. He's in the right age range. And they're like, ah, we cast him for the one that dies. Now it just seems like a really shitty Hollywood move that the only one of them that dies is the black guy. That's just, I don't know. That's weird. So all those characters are made up, though. Uh, I'm just reviewing to make sure that I, I didn't forget a character, but I'm pretty sure that... They're... Well, but I mean, like, not like they are in this. Like, you know, maybe they get mentioned. That's not really the same. But, like, yeah. he doesn't have, like, a sidekick. No. No, he does not. That's crazy. The love story, I at least can be like, all right, I get them adding it because it adds to the movie, like, the length and everything. But to just completely, like... Because to me, that's the the whole film is. It's, a, it's about a bunch of retired... CIA Wetworks agents to know that the comic is just actually one dude is very interesting. Yeah, it's one, and it, it, it retreads a lot of things. Like he goes to Langley and he he like shoots his way into like some CIA like uh, like CIA headquarters, and he gets into a lot of um you know he gets into a lot of encounters with old agents that he worked with, um not like in the good friend way, but like as they try to come murder him. Um, oh, and and there's no like hotshot FBI guy if I recall. I I, I read it a, a bit ago, but um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's it's substantially different than the comic. Although the 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 skeleton of a former agent being pulled back in to reface the crimes that made him, you know, the sort of isolated, old, like possibly regretful person that he is, have to face them again. Uh, that sort of piece is there, um, but then I think the movie had to. Well, they had to create a larger plot because if you just build a movie, a fun action comedy around one man slowly like collapsing yeah. into himself, it wouldn't really work. So they had to invent like a a, a secondary I, plot for them to rescue, and that's the the vice presidential like retribution moment there at the end. I did feel like uh, that that was somewhere where the movie didn't really pay off. Is like. None of them see. They all seem to be like, mm, I sure do miss being told to murder people, like apropos of nothing, because I'm just given orders. To the point where the thing that they're that they're talking about is, they're they're trying to kill all these people who were at this place and I don't remember where it was. Was it Colombia? Anyways, yeah, Guatemala, a foreign country, Guatemala, where a uh, a soldier who was the vice, who's now the vice president, went crazy and killed an entire village. And these guys are all like reminiscing about their time in the cia as if it was like good it's like no you went to a village full of murdered civilians to clean it up that's not an enjoyable memory i just thought it was weird that like not one of them was like yeah you know it was rough doing what we did killing people they're all like man i really miss killing people yeah they even have (laughs) so which i get for the comedy works better but it's just sort of a weird twist that none of them are like no one's at all. Like, no one's faced with the true morality of it. Yeah, right. And there is actually, to your credit, there's even an actual dialogue sequence between Helen Mirren and Bruce Willis where she's just like, uh, "I try to stop killing, but I still kill every now and then." Like it's just like, I said, yeah, I, I take, I take side contracts. It's like you are a, a hitman. Then that is not a, like a thing people are fr- uh, like excited about. People being paid to commit murder. It's not so many people are like, "Oh, those crazy murders." So help me frame the uh, the where this movie sets you up to begin with, which is that there's. Uh, um, Bruce Willis's character, retired CIA agent Frank Moses, is speaking to Mary Louise Parker's character, whose name I forget, um, uh, only because she wasn't in the comic. Um, I don't remember anyone else's name. Uh, Sarah. Uh, yeah, Sarah. Sarah, who works at the at the at the uh, retired check retiree check office. Yeah, she works for basically social security, Pe- yeah, uh, pension office, whatever. Um, yeah. And so he's they established that they formed a relationship over the phone, 
and she's unlucky in love, uh, like all, all romantic comedy bits. Um, and so she, yeah, she is, she is definitely like in the start. I'm like, wow, this is straight like romantic comedy one oh one sort of thing. Like she keeps going on bad dates. She's reads these romance novels. She never gets to travel. And she's talking to this guy who can't really be like, I've been all over the world because she'd be like, Oh really? Why? And he would be like, Oh, I can't tell you because I was a CIA operative. So I can't explain why I was in any of these countries. And it's all set up like that. And then instantly it just becomes an action film. It was really weird. Yeah. It kicks in with like that, sto- the, the, a bunch of like Asians uh, storming his house and att- the worst agents attempting to murder him. I will say the fight scenes in this movie um, are not the point because it, like you said, it is more of like an action comedy. Look at these, these are old people murdering yeah. people, but they're not bad. No, no. The thing that got me though, in that scene is one, it's like the, he lives in like a very crowded residential street. They, they come in to kill him. He sneaks behind, breaks the one guy's neck, uh, slams the other dude's head into a wall and then the other guy has like a drug that they're trying to inject him which i assume is either they're trying to take him hostage, no yeah i guess it must be some sort of poison it makes him look like a natural he, death or something yeah yeah so he injects it into the the other guy and they all die then he puts a bunch of bullets in a pan and goes down to get his old cia credentials all of his passports and a, a colt 1911 but what's weird is the gun the the bullets he puts in this pan go off and all of a sudden four guys that are just standing like on the edge of a cul-de-sac just start unloading into a house for like 30 seconds just shooting this and there's no other there's no people like screaming you don't hear anything else and i'm like wow this street like the cops do not show up forever <laughs> yeah and like, I, there was three dudes with machine guns I want to be because they, they shoot so many rounds that the the wall just caves in and they walk in yeah the wall disintegrates and i mean it is like when i say 30 seconds i mean it's 30 seconds in the movie of yeah, just continuous it is. so folks um and it's like so weird but then what's crazy is there's a dude who walks in and as he walks in he's holding like an m16 or an m4 variant of something and he's holding it, but he's holding on to the magazine, which is not like it, when the gun kicks, you're going to pull the magazine out of the gun. I was like, they didn't train these people how to hold a gun. Actually, I did read in an interview that Helen Mirren said that she had to redo a lot of takes because she kept closing her eyes when she shot the, the fake, the fake like movie prop guns. I could imagine that. So I thought that was pretty cute. Um, but uh, side note, folks, uh, as you and I play a lot of uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, do you think that's a new tactic for our breaching that we should try to employ? Um, just destroy just, the walls. With just every, every member of the team line up and fire at a wall until it collapses, then go in. Um, I mean, like, thank God he wasn't on the second story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like the worst. And they're just like slowly walking and their position's clearly visible. I was just like, that's one of my notes. That's my first note. It's probably like, that scene's probably 15 minutes into the movie. And it just says, Wow, this is the worst special forces unit I've ever seen. Also, side note, I want to point this out, and I don't know if it was a bit or if it makes sense, but um, I like the pan bullets trick. Like he, he threw some pan, some some nine yeah. millimeter rounds into a frying pan on a stove and, and and turned it on, and then at some point, the, you know, the pan heats the bullets up and they just kind of go off and sound like gunfire, and that led them to sort of be distracted. Um, did you notice that he also put a little olive oil in there? <laughs> No, did yeah, he really? Yeah, the bullets when they look, like when they zoom in, they have like some oil around them. Like, <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to burn your pan. 
Yes, I wonder like if, if that's like a real thing. They were like, well, no, you can't just put bullets in a pan. Nothing. No one happen. likes crisp, need all of crispy oil. bullets. Um, it would have been great if he had come back by and like, <laughs> you know, like put some salt on him, some pepper, and then went back downstairs and started hammering oh, some more. Shit, yeah. Um, gotta saute me some hollow points. But 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 zipping forward ahead because there's a ton I want to talk about this movie. Um, uh, uh, we're we're introduced to this sort of like romantic d- dynamic between um Bruce Willis and Mary Louise Parker. It is pretty frightening early on because he straight up like he just straight up is inside yeah which that was like a scene that got me because i was like i thought it was like funny in a way because it really explained how he has no experience with women that like he wouldn't think just to be like i should show up at her house first like knock on the in the house don't (laughs) just be inside the house when she gets home and is undressing like it's insane it's like go to the door man he's like bashful about he's like hey it's me and she's just like her, like acting in that scene is so fucking funny. Like her, like wide-eyed, like expression. Anyway, it's not worth describing. But um, the the early scenes here are uh, they're amusing, but they are like creepy. Uh, you know, because he's just like tying her up and like taking her to a motel yeah, and like he, he driving would, her yeah, around. He keeps saying that like this wasn't how he dreamed meeting her, which is like Oof. I'm sure like if this wasn't a comedy, that would be like the sort of thing a person says before they take you out in the yeah, woods and kill you. Yeah, those are the kind of lines where like they're pretty weird when Bruce Willis says them, but if like John Malkovich said them, she would be screaming. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, an entirely <laughs> different film would have been underway. If John Malkovich is just really intense, because this isn't how I expect to meet you, you know, it's just like uh, um. But I wanted to point something out. Uh, uh, he he takes her to Louisiana, um, uh, to New Orleans, uh, specifically, which is where the retirement home of his old friend, uh, played by Morgan Freeman, is located. Right? Yeah. Which I felt bad that Morgan Freeman's character couldn't afford a house. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah. Everyone got like real homes and. Fucking Helen Mirren lives in a mansion. Yeah, Helen Mirren, she's doing some great. Which was I mean, oddly she's... called the Eagle's Nest. Isn't that like a isn't that like a Hitler thing? Yeah, that was the name of Hitler's retreat in the mountains. She's... Yeah, I when they said that, I was like, mm. "Ooh, guys, you should have you should have googled Google, that." Go, Google <laughs> just... that. Um, but but just I was just curious. I'm like, wait, weren't they just in Kansas City? Did he tie her up and drive her to New Orleans? Yeah, it's pretty far. And I googled it. Yeah, it's thirteen hours. Um, yeah, the amount of time they travel in this okay. film is insane. He gets from New Orleans to New York City, and it appears as though she's just waking up from being That's drugged. Actually, so it's like they drugged her for like 20 hours. It does hours. not appear so. That is exactly what they say. Like she got uh, attacked by a police officer who was actually like a maybe a CIA agent or something who was trying to like dose her so she would pass out. Um, no, no, no. Because a- after those first two, I started being like, wait, what the fuck? So I did the math. All right, you ready? Okay. So the course of this movie, um, <laughs> Frank meets uh, this uh, uh, Mary Louise Parker's characters in the alley. They drive from Kansas City to New Orleans, which takes 13 hours. The entire time she's just in the back. It seems like it happens in about an overnight, like, couple-hour drive. Yeah. Um, they go from New Orleans to New York, which is 22 hours. They then go from New York to, uh, I think it's Pensacola, Florida which is where uh, John Malkovich is, which is 18 hours. They then go to, um, they go to back to DC, 14 hours, then to Langley, which is about just like right nearby. And then they take an hour to uh, Chesapeake Bay and then back to, then to Chicago, 
another 14 hours. There had to be so many scenes of all these characters just, like, farting in a car for, like, fucking 14 hours. Yeah, just, like, having to get out and pee on the side of, like, an abandoned gas station. And I know that you're supposed to sort of... There's a measure of disbelief. That sounds very nitpicky for me to point out. But this movie had dramatic postcard transitions for every scene, even if the location had no relevance. Like, we're... Oh, no. At one point, they, they yeah, go... Like, from, none of them had relevance, At really. one point, they go from Pensacola to Mobile, Alabama, which is about 40 minutes away. Not worth a transition. It all looks like Florida. Like, I'm not learning anything by knowing that I'm in Mobile, Alabama. And the reason they're in Mobile, Alabama, they stopped to get a sandwich. Like, that's <laughs> just yeah, like they like were five, like... They're like, well, we need to stop and get a like cola five, before we... Five-minute scenes happen in these new locations, and then they move on. The only ones that you get called out... Uh, are probably the big guys. New, uh, New Orleans, D.C., Chicago. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Like <laughs> I guess you could do New York in the beginning. Yeah, New York, I guess. But Make like, what's cr- I just think it was like somebody was like, what if every time they change locations, we do like a funny postcard that's animated? And somebody was like, that's brilliant. Let's make them change locations ten more times. Why? I don't fucking know. I just like these postcards. Because it, it is insane. When you think about it then, that's like seven days worth of travel time. Yeah. Or four or five days worth of travel I mean, time. It's some, and it seems like they're on the run for, at tops, three It's days. some real season seven Game of Thrones geography that they're playing with here. Where everything is definitely like ten feet from each other all of a sudden. Everything is just like adjacent. Uh, that's a reference Game of Thrones fans will totally understand. Um, Enjoy it, Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> uh, so we then are slowly introduced into the cavalcade of characters. Um, and I want you to... I'm going to list it for you. You know, here's Pogues. Here's what I want from you. I'm going to list to you the main characters uh, of note in this film. And I want you to give them a grade. Because before the movie, you told me that you were disappointed with someone's performance. Um, yes. So I'm going to start with the one we've already mentioned. Bruce Willis as uh, as retired retired agent Frank Moses. I'm going to give him uh, a B-. B-minus. I think that's fair. I'd probably go with a B plus. I think it was pretty good. But yeah, B-minus is fine. Uh, uh, then we've got, um, then we've got, uh, Morgan Freeman playing Joe Matheson. I'm going to say A minus. I think I've, I've seen Morgan Freeman in some of the shittiest movies of all time. This is one called last night. It's terrible, but he always is trying. Yeah. Like he, even when he's in a bad movie, he's like, I mean, I'm still Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he had some good bits. He had, he had some genuinely like, uh, like, like a dialogue that struck me when he talked about being in the retirement home, he was like, you know, he he listed his like his wars and places of like hellish war zones he'd been in, and then here he was in just in a fucking retirement home, making nurses bend over to fix his TV so we could look at their ass. Um, hey man, props uh, to him. yeah, pretty good. Uh, uh, John Malkovich, your boy uh, John C Malkovich plus. is Marvin Boggs. C plus. Now he's yeah. the one you didn't like. I I I'm not saying that I didn't like him. I like. John Malkovich. I think he's a fine actor. I like him even when he's ridiculous, like when he's in Rounders and he does the world's worst Russian accent until Harrison Ford tries to do one in K-19, The Widowmaker. But I just felt like he was like, oh, you want me to be Zany Malkovich? All right. And I just felt like he was just like, I'm just going to mail, like, you know, I'm, I'm mailing this one in. I disagree. Malkovich was my favorite part of this movie. I'd give him like an A-. minus. I thought he was fucking fantastic specifically there's <laughs> his crazy is really good and really intense and breakneck speed like he just keeps sn- like snapping from point to point 
My favorite being um, a scene where they capture where they're in like a warehouse and he's got that pig, which turned out to be ultimately disappointing. Um, yeah, it was a real letdown. And he's got this like stuffed pig, which they're implying is some sort of like, it, 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 they, they say they get the pig as if it's some established routine that they've done. So you're you, the whole time you're wondering like, yeah. what's in the pig. It's gotta be something clever. It's gotta be like C4 that, I don't know. Um, it's, or it's going to be something like unique and interesting. Instead, it's a single shot grenade launcher, yeah. which is one completely pointless. Right, like they, you're probably going to need more than one. Yeah, of them. it doesn't seem to accomplish much at all. Um, which they also seem to bring through an airport, which I don't understand. Um, yeah, uh, but he, this is just like a scene where they're, they're asking, like, "Is he stable?" And they look back to him, and it's John Malkovich just sort of like counting in the air and he looks like a weird dad like waiting for his kid to get off a ride at Six Flags and he's like he's got kind of a gut and he's holding this like pink fucking pig and they just like hold this weird shot at him from like a low angle and I just fucking started laughing like it was such a good visual joke that was nothing more than John Malkovich standing <laughs> it's just yeah no there's it's some like fucking I, great yeah he does some funny stuff just some of it is I don't know. It just felt like he didn't always care. I guess I should. say. Okay. Well, that's fair. Well, then let's let's keep keep us rolling. Um, uh, Helen Mirren as Victoria, no last name. I I would say a minus. A minus. I think she did really. I think good. she did yeah. too. I think she was having. I think she. I think she was again somebody who was like, I know this is ridiculous, but I'm gonna act like I do when I'm in actual. Movie. Yeah. Like when I'm doing something more serious. Not that like this is like, you know, so beneath these people, but it's like not something that. They normally do. You know, I, I, like Helen Mirren is known for her comedy action films. Uh, Brian Cox is Ivan Simonov. Okay. Um, he cannot do a Russian accent. It's all over for, the place. Yeah, I guess I should have. Yeah, I guess when I said uh, John Malkovich doing the worst Russian accent, I should have said until this. But I would say he's he's trying his best. So I give him an A for an effort, but a C for what is the like who was like all right let's cast a man who has an actual scottish accent and then try to make him sound russian those two accents are really close together I, right so he just sounds like a scottish guy doing the just saying like yet every so often i just feel like that when the when you need someone to be a former cia handler or 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 somehow cia adjacent you get brian cox he's fucking in he's in all the born movies he's in fucking i was gonna say everything. is he in the born movies he's in everything yeah. um He's the guy who created Wolverine. And yeah, X-Men. he's always some like he's always some piece of shit government guy. I, I love it. I love it. Except for in Super Troopers, where he's yeah. the really nice yeah. chief. All right, so I gotta give you one more, um, okay. uh, which is uh, Ernest Borgnine as Henry, the records keeper. Um, I B plus. <laughs> okay, he enough. is he is clearly struggling in the sense that I'm like. I think they were like, just read these lines. And he was like, I don't understand what's happening. And they're like, just read the line. Like, nobody sat down to be like, here's the plot. Because, like, as he's, like, talking sometimes, it feels like he's like, I don't understand what you're making me say. Like, I don't know what these words are supposed to mean in this order. Yeah. I don't know why you're asking me to say them, but whatever. So, uh, I, I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes in this movie, which is watching fucking Carl Urban, our man Judge Goddamn Dread, also fuck bones from star trek Dr. Mc- yeah. yeah dr mccoy dr mccoy from um, star trek fucking he was in that almost human tv show absolutely uh, uh he he is i mean his character is a little like um cliche in a couple ways you know he's like oh oh yeah he's 100 yeah he's cliche. a major cliche and that's fine uh but his fucking 
scenes with Bruce Willis, specifically their their office fight scene, are bomb as hell. <laughs> like it's it's pretty fucking enjoyable. I was I was genuinely surprised by the office fight scene because like there's moments where like someone's being like flipped into a desk and it's pretty obvious that they just I mean they have the easiest job in the world when you need to get a a a, a, a stunt double for for Bruce Willis because it's just like hey are you bald. Um, yeah, can we shave yeah, your head? Done. done and done. It's so easy. But uh, there, I, I kind of rewound the scene and watched it again. And I would say about 80% of that scene, you can see Bruce Willis's face pretty clearly. Like, it is not... Oh, no, I, I think for the most part, it is the two of them doing most of the... Except for, like, the far away yes. shot. But, like, when he drops that uh, cabinet on him, that's, I'm pretty sure, them just dropping... Which I'm sure it was, like, completely empty and made out of, like, the, the thinnest yeah. metal... But I think they literally just dropped a fake filing cabinet on top of Carl yeah. Urban. And we're just like, fuck it. He'll take I it. I read that Carl Urban actually, um, when he threw the coffee mug to open the fight, he actually hit Bruce Willis a little bit harder than he meant to. And like he like cracked his like wrist on it uh, as he like deflected away. And of course, he's like a shitty fake one or whatever that's supposed to break. But um, uh, uh, someone pointed it out, and then the, the, there was like an interview with Carl Urban and Bruce Willis, and they said that it's in the it's the one in the movie. Like Bruce Willis is kind of surprised when that coffee cup hits him because he's not ready for it. So I'm like, props to fucking Bruce, man. He's doing like a lot in this movie. Like it's hard to tell when he's always in like the actiony moments, and a lot of them aren't like physical as much as like gunplay. But goddamn, the dude is just delivering. Uh, that, that that fight scene's actually pretty fucking good. Mostly because Carl Urban gets his ass kicked, and also because there's a scene in that where Carl Urban like punches his way through a phone. Like, like there's a scene where yeah. they're on the desk and Bruce pulls the phone up, and Carl Urban just like a bloody Carl Urban punches his way through it to hit Bruce Willis, and it's just like, I, I'm gonna try and get a gif of that because it's 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 phenomenal. No, the the fight scene in general, I think, is uh, really. I thought that was one of the better parts of the movie was that fight scene. Because they do, it's just like two guys like just brutally beating the shit out of each other and hitting each other with everything that's in a room. At one point, Bruce Willis like lifts up a table that's made of glass and then kicks through it so the glass shatters and falls all yeah. over Carl Urban. It's pretty cool. That's his name, yeah, right? Yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah, okay, sorry. I wanted to make sure I didn't actually say that country singer has a similar name. Uh, I will say I, I did think, though, Carl Urban wasn't doing his best. No, I mean, he brought, like, his, like, I'm here and I'm delivering a performance. But it w- I don't think his character had a lot of depth, so he was just sort of there. Yeah, I don't think there was much to do. It was pretty He generic. was there to grimace. And uh, I think he's, um, is he named Kane? Because, uh, no, he has a completely different name. Kane is the name of, like, the man that's hunting him in the... William Cooper. Yeah, so they, they invented, like, a whole new, like, uh, character to um, chase him down. Anyway, um, the point I'm getting at is... Uh, is that well? Here's an interesting thing. Before we talk about Moy's characters, is is if I didn't know the comic, I would assume that this was a pretty long comic that they had to take tons of pieces of and condense. Because, like I said, it's pretty quick, and they have they throw a lot of characters at you. The characters that are like your protagonist, Mary Louise Parker's added to the mix. There's like one villain. There's two villains. There's three villains. You know, um, they they got a lot going on, and it's all invented. It's all yeah. That's I gotta say I'm very surprised now. Like now that we've you've talked about the comic, that it is that. That's way. the opposite. Because I thought the same yeah. thing was. I thought it was like it was probably like a two year run comic where 
you know, the story starts out and they explain everything and, you know, maybe it lasts a year, but I'm expecting it to at least be, have been like 12 issues or something. I'm like, and then when they tried to condense it, they couldn't do it. And so they had to sort of fight because like there's scenes that are so weird that I was like, they had to be from the comic and they just couldn't execute them. Like when Morgan Freeman dies, it's so anticlimactic and pointless then I'm like, that had to be like a bigger scene in the comic and they just couldn't like work the whole thing into the movie. So they're like, well, we'll just do it this way. Sorry. But now knowing that I'm just like, wow, what a shitty, like shittily written scene. Because like they, he's like, you know, only one of us is going to make it out. You need a distraction, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I, I'm going to go out wild. And then he literally just walks out the door and gets shot. He doesn't do it. I thought he was going to like run out shooting guns or Something I was really surprised at how pointless his death was. And, and then all they do is just go out the back door, which is seems yeah, like it could have been. It seems like they could have done anyways. Because the only person who starts running towards Morgan Freeman is Carl yeah. Urban, and he was all the way on the other side of the building. To Good begin prank, with. Bruce. Good prank. I just thought it, that's why. Like now that you say that, it actually makes me to be like, that's really weird and messed up. Like that, I would have thought for sure there had to be something. Going but to on. authorize what Warren Ellis says, this this scene also gives us like fucking Helen Mirren in 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 snow camo firing a sniper rifle at like at, at like SWAT teams, and and has like an awesome scene where like they're all running and she's just very intensely being like like uh, tell me when they've gotten to cover and then we'll move. And I'm like fucking Helen, like damn. <laughs> yeah, I also I don't know if you know this too, but she won't shoot any of them because they're FBI agents, so they don't know that what they're doing is wrong. So she won't shoot. Yeah, them. she's shooting all, and she's purposely missing. Yeah, it, because at first I was like, how is she missing Carl Urban? I was like, oh, she doesn't want to kill any of these people because she knows they're all just they're they're not the reason that this is happening. They're following orders, and so she shouldn't kill them. So I thought that was there's kind a of lot cool of that in this movie. They kind of put that actually. in that I was like, oh, that's interesting. She has morals compared to everyone. There's else. a lot <laughs> who seems to be fine just killing. Yeah, it's true. But there's a lot of like like when they do the when they when they obtain the vice president which is actually a pretty fucking good little mini heist movie built into this movie which i perfectly enjoyed um all of their attempts to to uh, take the vice president are mostly just efforts to distract or otherwise curtail the secret service like they're just like picking them off but not killing them they're just like blowing cars up that are empty and they're like uh yeah and they're and they're like machine gunning like their convoy so they all have to like get out and like run around on foot like it's all very much like a non-lethal like tactics to that are that are just very dangerous, um, the, so they could they could isolate the vice president. But yeah, that that like you said, that plot feels a little less valuable because uh, they introduce the the sort of concept that the vice president is this like war criminal like pretty late into the movie. Yeah, and then what's sort of weird is they introduce that the, the soldier who gets taken out is the vice president, and he's trying to clean up everything, and he's setting up um, this guns deal. I didn't exactly understand what the hell that guy, what he actually Yeah, because sold. Dreyfus is mixed in, and yeah, he's like a weapons dealer that the FBI is yeah. watching, but also is working with the vice president, and also is the and real here's, Like, I'm just like, wait. Yeah, and then that was what was weird at the end, was they show up, and it, it's like the vice president feels remorse for what he did, and he doesn't want any part of this anymore, and you're just like... Wait, what? Like, don't you just said that? So then I was like, did he actually kill all those people, or did this guy kill all those people and then just blamed it on the the vice president? You know what I mean? And then he never addressed it. So I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I just thought it was such a weird twist to be like, the vice president murdered an entire village. He feels bad. It's okay that he's going to become the president of the United States. It's just like, oh, okay, I guess, 
I guess problem solved? Yeah, I will have to break, break with Warren Ellis on his, his take on the adaptation only for one line. He describes the plot as tight as a drum, and I'm not sure if that is fitting. Uh, very no, well. I mean, if it was like a very saggy drum, <laughs> or maybe like a like a tambourine that's been used for it's a while. It's as tight as like a ruptured eardrum, I think. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it's as tight as a pair of old Gymshocks. I just, there's just um, some curious... I don't know. Like you said, it's it's a good movie, but to say the plot is tight as a drum is yeah really putting on airs. I think. Yeah, but um, is there are there any other? Uh, I'm trying to think of, of of of. I had a question that fell out of my head. Sorry. Um, That's all right. Richard Dreyfus should he have been in this? Sure, because I guess they just they were just trying to cast older yeah. actors. Yeah. But it did seem like sort of odd. And also, um, I was unaware how short Richard Dreyfuss is. He's a short is. man? Uh, in the final shot, it looked like they were filming a Lord of the Rings scene. Like, it was like forced... <laughs> for, I was just like, was like, Jesus Christ, that dude is really short. How did I never realize that? He looks like he's 4'2". It was so jarring that I kind of like lost track of what was happening because I just kept thinking, is he? Sp- are they doing that to make him seem shorter? Because, again, I was like... Is the character in the comic book really short? So, really threw me, guys. But yeah, him and, and Ernest Borgnine were just sort of odd choices. Not like in a bad way, but it's just like, if you could pick any older actor, what made them pick those two? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure. what made them sit down and be like, we need to get Ernest Borgnine in this movie? Like, who was like, that's gonna, that's gonna play. Like, you know, because it was just like, I was like, I, okay, I don't know. It's- feels like one of those scenes where like a there was a tv show of this like 40 years ago and now they made a movie and they're like put the original star in is the guy that gives him paperwork or so you yeah. know what i mean like it felt like i was supposed to be like oh my god or just bergnine but it's just like eh. <laughs> so it was, i was more like i didn't realize he was still alive at this point so i've got a question for you yes uh there's a scene in this film where bruce willis and john malkovich um go to a, a shipping locker nearby where they are which apparently is the home of an arsenal for uh for frank uh, bruce willis's character which yes. struck me as odd for two reasons one we discovered earlier in the film that he is so retired that like john wick he has buried his gun and yes. passports in the cement of his basement which he retreats i, I gotta say real yeah. quick that caught when that started happening i was like what the fuck? I was like, John Wick stole this I know. from this movie? It really caught me. I was like, Just what? so you all understand what we're talking about. We've all seen John Wick. It, it was the hit of, like, whatever, two years ago. Um, but in the opening of this movie is a retired a retired killer, basically, um, milling about his very, like, normal home when a uh, sudden array of, of goons, thugs, show up to kill him. Uh, he defeats them and then uses a sledgehammer to break open the concrete and reveal a chest of his old life that he unearths and uh yeah like completely cemented over just like in john wick Wick. where he goes down to get the gold bars and everything and i was just like as the scene was happening i was like you've got to be kidding me man this is like like almost identical shot like the way it's laid out and everything i was like that's so weird so what, what yeah, was, it did seem. What, what I was getting at is, is clearly he went through a lot of effort there to bury his weapons and his identity. That's you know, yeah, his to, past. to bury it in concrete is a pretty big deal. To put it in a storage locker is less of a big deal. 
Which I feel like too is is like so irresponsible yes. to be like Wildly I have what is essentially like a military yeah. arsenal behind a somewhat cheap. It's like it's basically like one of those rent to own storage. It's, like like I felt like if this had if they hadn't come to kill him in ten years when he passed away of natural causes, there would be a storage wars. That's where they what like I was getting. The door at, and they're yeah. like they're like start. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> The other one had an old bunk bed in it. This guy has 82,000 guns, a couple of RPGs, some C4. And it was like shit that I'm like, how would he even have access to this? One, Where is he one old grandma bit on it and was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to sell this shit out of this. Yeah, I, that's all I can think about was like, Frank, this is a very irresponsible place to put all your guns, buddy. Like, think about like like T2 or whatever. Like, uh, uh, Sarah Connor buries all of them in like a fucking tomb. Like, uh, like or, or, yeah. or in, or in, like, in the like desert. It's like in the middle of the desert. And like, even like T3, yeah. she buries them in like an old fucking coffin in like a tomb. Like, yeah, most people choose a pretty like a place no one checks. Like, no one's no one's open an old lady's graves. You know, I mean, like, you're good. Like, but but. Just in a storage locker. Like, all that takes is someone to give the guy the wrong key. And then he goes down there. <laughs> yeah, or all it takes is for him to be out there being like, ah, let me open up my storage locker. And some guy drives by to, like, store, like, his daughter's, you know, <laughs> stuff from their room. And he's like, what the Just looks fuck, at it like, you is know? John Malkovich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, does that guy have 18 assault rifles? Because that seems like a lot for an yeah, old man. yeah, yeah. I'll come back later with bolt cutters because that's all that locks these. All you need is $7 bolt cutters and you can get into any one of these lockers. So, um, I think we've covered, uh, plenty of the film. So let me ask you this, Pokes. Um, would you, well, let's cover a few things here real quick. Uh, uh, as I promise a new feature on this show, and let me go ahead and bring it up here. Uh, uh, which is Roger Ebert is not actually that good at this. Um, (laughs) So we discussed earlier that Roger Ebert uh, gave pretty much all the movies that we've wildly maligned uh, a three out of four stars. Can you guess for me what his thoughts on Red are? Uh, I'm going to say, what is this? Is this it's four? It's out of four. Highest? That's correct. All right. I'm going to say he gave it a four and really enjoyed it as a lighthearted He gave rock. it a two out of four. What? God, he gave fucking Richie Rich a three, didn't he? Or so if four? we're keeping score, uh, this is how Roger Ebert sees the movies that we do. Spawn, three out of four. Ugh. Richie Rich, three out of four. Red, two out of four. <laughs> I mean, that is insane because both of those previous movies are virtually unwatchable. They're so bad. They are terrible. There's not even a redeeming quality. At least this movie, you can be like, the action's really good, and it's got a bunch of good actors. Those other two movies, you're like, at least they weren't three hours long. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the claim for those. That is insane. That is. Although, okay, well, I think we're gonna have to start agreeing that maybe he's not as good at this as we. I gotta thought. chime in from one of his reviews because I know we were taking a lot of shits on Roger Ebert, but I enjoyed this paragraph from his review that I read earlier, which uh, which says this just the paragraph just says some notes. Victoria requires no second, uh, no surname because she is a woman in a thriller movie. Ivan, <laughs> Ivan is a Russian because the Russian in every thriller is named Ivan, <laughs> which is pretty true. Malkovich may have taken this role because he is never considered for characters named Boggs before. And Freeman reveals early that he is dying of liver cancer. We know that, uh, we know that as of the black member of the team, 
he must die first. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I thought. That's why I was so bummed out when you told me he wasn't in the comic. I I take back everything I said about this game. I love Roger Ebert again. Um, So, uh, a second part. Do we consider this to be a successful adaptation of the source material? Well, I never read the source material. But judging by what you said, no. What's your opinion? But that's that's troubling because the creator of a source material would disagree with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what to do there. So, I guess, yeah, I guess we should go to him. And he says that it's a good adaption. Although, yeah, I'm just, let's just say yeah. <laughs> so let's go to, a, uh, let's go to a, another point, uh, which is, would you recommend people watch this movie just at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, go and see, like, go find it right now to watch it. But if you're looking for a movie to watch and it's available to you or it's on TV or you're just looking for, like, an action film to watch, it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, I agree. It's entertaining. Not a great endorsement. It, 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 but... it, won't, it won't blow your mind consistently, but there are some genuinely, there is some genuinely clever dialogue. There is some very well-constructed action scenes. There are some moments that I have not seen in other action movies, while there are other moments that are very good repeats of, like, quality action movie, heist movie, spy movie tropes. Uh, oh, shit, post. I almost forget. Um, I'm going to ask you a quick lightning round question that I need to give you a thumbs up or thumbs down on, okay? Okay. The Bruce Willis step out of the car scene. Thumbs, thumbs down. down. You didn't like it? I it's just, it's so cheesy and ridiculous See, I, and... I, I, and and to accomplish nothing because he doesn't even shoot. My the brain, guy. he just shoots. My a brain car. is forced to agree with you, but I'm also like, I liked it though. Like, if he had gotten out and there had been like three people coming, and he shot the two cars and they drove off and exploded and like you know crashed or something, and then he got back in and drove off, I'd be like, that was good. But he essentially gets out and just shoots at a car and makes it stop and back up slowly. Yeah, which is like not very heroic, Fair. and he could have killed the woman in the car. Um, uh, real quick for the listeners out there, uh, what we're referring to is in this movie and notably in the trailer, um, uh, Bruce Willis is a assault is, is, is rammed by, uh, uh, FBI or CIA agent, um, played by, uh, Carl Urban. And as his car spins out, he uses the momentum to sort of step out of the driver's seat impossibly. Yeah, I mean, in real life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, his leg would just shatter as he put his foot out. But it is, in my opinion, an entertaining scene. All right, next thumbs up. That was it. <laughs> oh, that was it. I, I, I will. I say, had a note on it, and I wanted to make sure I asked you about it before before it was over. This this is just one thing I wanted to I wanted to mention. I just wanted to know if you caught this at the end of the movie where they're at this gala where they're going to introduce the vice president's coming out to speak and he's about to announce his bid for uh, president. Did you hear as he walks out, a man in the crowd yells, "I love you, sir." No, I, I like re- he's just like I love you, sir, and he and the guy just and I was like, what the? F- that's not a thing people say. <laughs> One, why is he calling him sir? <laughs> like, just yell I love you. I'm at least with you there, which is still a weird thing to yell at what appeared to be like a six thousand dollar a plate uh, charity dinner or whatever. It was just so weird. I was like, who wrote that line in? I don't, that was that was the note that I said earlier when I opened my notes and I couldn't figure out what the fuck it was in reference to and then I remembered that it was very at night I was just like that's that's really bizarre. So that's that. Um, I think we covered if it was an adaptation and you recommended the movie. That's correct? correct. 
Yeah, I believe we've covered it here. Um, yeah, I, I, Red was a interesting adaptation supported by the creator. Um, it's an entertaining movie. Helen Mirren shoots a sniper rifle. Jad Malkovich shoots a rocket out of the air. Um, Morgan Freeman delivers some good lines and then dies for no reason. And Bruce Willis is sort of doing a pretty good, decent job. So we, we highly recommend uh, – not highly. We, 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 nor- we, normal, we normally recommend – we recommend like, hey, I, I had a pretty good chicken sandwich from that cafeteria. If you're hungry, yeah. check it out. <laughs> yeah, when you recommend a restaurant that's close enough to work – Mostly because it's close enough to work. It's like, yeah. if you're going to have to walk to get food... Like, like don't um, take a date there, but maybe get that chicken sandwich. Yeah, no. <laughs> Only go if you have exactly an hour to eat lunch. And you've got to get back, because your boss is... So to recap, there. Red is, 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 is exactly as good as an hour lunch uh, lunch break. It's basically as good as a Tim Hortons or <laughs> a Panera Bread. Alright, well that does it for, um, for Red. Uh, so... Hey, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us as this is episode 52. That means that, although technically it's more than this, this marks roughly two years worth of Not Another Origin Story. So thank you to everybody who listens and continues to listen and has started to listen. Yeah, thanks to Ben for continuing to do this with me. Um, Sorry. If you would like, if you don't follow us, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash naospod or follow us on Instagram at... NAOS pod we're actually posting stuff Ben posted something the other day I meant to post something when I was watching red but I watched it really late last night because I couldn't I fall asleep so I just committing to a post per movie there we go so we're gonna get that that's probably gonna be more active than the Twitter we've never tweeted shut up yet. and <laughs> if you've got a recommendation for a movie or any comments you'd like to leave go to Facebook and leave them there or leave them as a comment on our Instagram you can find me on Instagram at its pose or follow Ben at, at the Disco Pony. There you go. We'll see you guys next week for our mini episode. Roger Ebert gave Babe Pig in the City four stars. His highest rating. <laughs>